Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Last time I was with you folks, uh, we uh, did a show live from Eleven Wells Distillery and Cocktail Room in St. Paul. This is Lavelle E. Neal III, uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune columnist. And Jim Suhan and I brought down the house at Eleven Wells a couple weeks ago. It was a fantastic uh, time, although I almost lost my voice. Thank goodness they found a liqueur that would uh, help clear my throat to get me through the show. But uh, I was in Florida for spring training last week and missed uh, the return of Royce Molly to the program. So this week, Jim is in Augusta, Georgia, covering the Masters, and I am here with Roy at uh, headquarters here. Roy, how's everything going? Everything's good. I I uh, I'm just so sorry that I was out of town. Had to be out of town when that you, you guys were at Eleven Wells. That 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 was a uh, that's a hole in my life a little bit. It sounded like you guys had a great time. It was a great time. A lot of people sampled the, the Minnesota Thirteen whiskey. A lot of people tried out the rum. Um, they had to bring in extra tables for folks, so we had a full cocktail room uh, to do the show. And I think people uh, had a good time. So it was an enjoyable outing by many. Um, if you bump it to me on the street, I just might have a coupon for a free drink at 11 Wells the next time you appear. So uh, check out 11, well, 11 Wells Distillery along Minnehaha Avenue near downtown St. Paul. And you will not be disappointed, ladies and gentlemen. So um, I just got back from spring training on Thursday evening after my flight was delayed. Not one, not two, not three, but four <laughs> times. Uh, so, <laughs> so I got back eventually. Uh, late last night, and um, when I got down there, the Twins were making moves, and when I left, the Twins were making moves, and and uh, the biggest one came yesterday when they traded Brent Rooker and longtime bullpen stalwart Taylor Rogers to the San Diego Padres, who have asked about Rogers in the past. Um, the Twins received Chris Paddock, a pitcher they've asked for in the past, um, as well as. Um, uh, it's not Angel Pagan, Emilio, Emilio Pagan, Emilio yep. Pagan who, who's been the, who has a couple years in the in the business, but throws ninety five miles an hour, has a good breaking ball. Um, they address their bullpen and their rotation at the same time. Roy, uh, it looks like they're they're going they're, the Twins are going to use a six man rotation round out of bat with Paddock. But two, two years ago, Paddock was the man. Came up in his first full season and thrived. Uh, the last two years have been a little rough on him, but the Twins like his stuff, like the fact he's a fastball changeup guy, and I'm sure Wes Johnson is already devising ways to give him to help Paddock develop a third pitch so he can be effective. What were your impressions of the trade? I think it's a it's a it's a, it's a good trade. You see why they made it. Uh, T- Taylor Rogers making seven million bucks and is going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and probably the Twins at that point, don't afford him. 
So uh, I'm always, always in favor of uh, trading guys uh, the the year before they're they're a free agent uh, and just not getting nothing. You know, I mean, and there you have to decide early on: Are we going to be in a, in a bidding war for Taylor Rogers in October or November? Whenever you know, whenever the 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 free agency starts and. And if the answer is probably not, then make your best deal right now. Just go, just, just go do it. And I think they made a really nice, uh, really nice deal. We won't really know, obviously, but uh, for a while. But if Paddock turns out to be a, a big league, a, you know, the big league starter that he was the first year that you allude to, then it's a phenomenal trade. And on top of that, Pagan is is more than a serviceable reliever. We've talked about the Twins needing you know, a little bit more bullpen help. Well, they, they just, they, they got rid of one very serviceable, very good bullpen guy, got another one that's, you know, as a, as a part of the trade for Paddock, I think it's, I think it helps their bullpen as well. So it really depends for me. It depends on Paddock and how he, how he's able to come back. He is a fastball changeup guy. He's got, he's, he throws 95, 96. He throws a lot of strikes as his uh, walks and his innings pitched has always been has always been good. He's it's basically the hits lately. The last couple of years he's been knocked around a little bit. So it'll be interesting to go back and see if we can figure out, and more importantly, see if Wes Johnson can figure out why that uh, that stat got elevated a little bit. Because I really like his fastball and change up to left-hand hitters, and you got you have to have you have to be able to get left-hand hitters out in the American League. And he has, you know, 96 miles an hour and a good changeup. That, that will do it. His other pitch is a curveball. He doesn't throw a slider. And he's got a curveball. And it's going to be interesting to me to see if Wes Johnson thinks that he, he should develop even a fourth pitch. If he, it, like, like Bailey Ober, say, you know what, throw the slider and not that curveball so much. And, and so we're, we'll see how his stuff develops. But he starts... He starts with two things that not very many young guys have, and that's a 96-mile-an-hour fastball and a good changeup. That, that, I think that's a real positive. Yes, average 94.9 with his fastball last year, which means he's touching 96, 97 at right. times. Um, changeup guy, and here's the thing, Roy. The usage may be a factor, too. He only throws his fastball 59.5% of the time. Now, I know we're kind of in a point in the game where pitchers are hiding their fastballs more. But if you're just a two-pitch guy right now, I don't know how you can get around that. He throws this change up 26.2% of the time. Yeah, that's that's a lot. And it's mostly the left-hand left-hand hitters. The way, uh, and that's the same with just about everybody. But you have to be able to do that, and you have to be able to throw that change up effectively that many times uh, to primarily left-hand hitters. And his curveball is average, average is 78 miles an hour. So that's a slow curve. So and it's a pretty big break. I've seen yeah. it, and it's um, it, it's a it's a nice break. It's not twelve to six, but it's not a slurve. I mean, it's it's like it's like one to seven one to or seven. something. You know, I mean, it's it, it's a uh, I I think it's good. I think it's a bit of a mystery to me uh, why he got knocked around a little bit the last, especially last year. I, I'm, so uh, change of scenery, maybe he clicks with the pitching coach. We'll see how it works. But I sure like his armor. I, I like. 
I like, as I said, I like his starting out stuff, what, what, he's, what he's got to work with to start. And I believe they have three years of control with him. Right, not until he's th- through 24. Yeah, that's, but see, that's part of that trait. You know, t- Taylor Rogers is going to be a free agent of the year. We get a 25-year, 26-year-old that, that we've got for three years before we have to do anything. And two that's, years of Pagan. Nice. And two years of Pagan. So, yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's more in the uh, string of moves that the Twins have made here in a very short, rapid period of time is very impressive. I I just think it's what they've done starting from zero and, 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 uh, and getting to a hundred miles an hour. I mean, as quickly as they did, that was, that was pretty good. I had a conversation with Derek Fabi while we were in Florida. Um, I was working on a story that I, uh, that ran last week, just about where they are in terms of developing, uh, young pitchers. Um, you know, because, Yes, it's got to be the lifeblood of, uh, especially a mid to small, small market team. You've got to be able to turn out your own pitchers. But for an impatient fan base who has never seen the Twins make a big splash for a free agent starter, it's aggravating. You know, so we kind of talked about that in the process and everything. Um, and I was reminded uh, that when Falvey and Levine uh, first joined five years ago, they agreed not to fire anybody. It wasn't just... Paul Molitor, they decided to sit back and watch everybody. Now, I hate to sound like P.J. Fleck, but that sounds like a year zero to me, you know. And so Eric Rasmussen was running things, you know, as a pitching coach during the second half of that season. Right. So they've gone a long way from there, building up the uh, pitching infrastructure and the coaching, finding, getting Wes Johnson after Garvin Alston, um, hiring Josh Calk away from the Rays, you know, kind of putting their pitching um, – um, structure together to, to develop things. It's taken, it's probably been a painstaking process you know, along the way. They tried to sign you Darvish. They tried to sign Zach Wheeler. They made two runs at Charlie Morton. This offseason, um, they went after Carlos Rodon before he signed with the Giants. And they offered Zach Greeky the opportunity to sit in their draft room during the draft because they know Greeky actually enjoys like scouting and breaking down prospects. So they said, you, you sign with us, you can sit in the draft room on draft day and have some input in who we, t- who we select. You know, but uh, Grinky really wanted to go back to Kansas City where it all started. You know, so yeah. they tried to kind of get some name guys, even guys like Grinky who's on the back slope of his career. It just hasn't worked out. But they do have to develop their own guys. And, right, I know this is the beginning of the 2022 season, and we're going to talk a lot about that going forward. But I already want to see what 2023's rotation is going to be because – Kenta Maeda will be back from elbow surgery. So you'll have Maeda, Gray, Paddock, um, Joe Ryan with a year of experience, o- Bailey Ober with a year of experience, and, and whatever Bundy and, does. And, and whatever Bundy does, yeah. With, with all these other kids, you know, the Josh Winders, the Matt Cantoneros, the Simeon Woods Richardsons, um, the, the Cole Sands, um, I'm missing a couple other guys, getting, you know, fine-tuning things. At Triple A, all of a sudden now the inventory is looking vastly different here. Been talking about that for four years, I think. When after the first year when they did not a lot, then all of a sudden they started trading players and and stocking the minor leagues. Right? They they traded um, uh, Edward, Escobar and got Duran. Uh, they got you know they they made a they made several deals like that. They got. Uh, Two nice prospects for Jose Barrios. They they 
They've been in uh, for four years now. They've been in the mode. And I, and I said four years ago, the, the Twins are bereft of talent in the minor leagues. And they, you know, they, Falvey and Levine come over. They look at this. They, Holy cow. We can't make any trades. We can't do anything because we have to keep the players that we have just to be competitive. And we've got no, no young guys to dangle for trades. And we got no young guys coming where we can trade the older guys. So they had to, they just had to go get bodies, the best bodies they could find available for what they could trade and, and, uh, and sign. And they've done a really nice job of that. Evidenced by what you're just talking about. These, you start. And at the same time, they, have gotten serviceable players that are like bridge players to some of some of the younger guys, and uh, I think they've done a nice job. It has been a painstaking and a longer process than most fans would would want to see. But all of a sudden now you're in a position where you're serviceable, more than serviceable in the in the big league roster, and you got guys coming in a year or two years that either are going to uh, be your studs or they're going to they're going to bring in a stud from somewhere else as part of, as part of a trade. And it's the only way that a, that a team like the twins, a team that's not named uh, Dodgers, angels, uh, Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, yeah. uh, you know, can, it can do it. That's the only way you got to keep stocking and keep stocking and keep stocking. That's S T O C K, not S T A L K. And, but you, you just have to keep stocking the stalking the, the, the minor league system with, with players best you can. That's why I, the one thing I like about Fabian Levine, they have not been afraid to take part in the economy of baseball, which is three prong. It's, it's, trades, free agent acquisitions, and scouting and development. Because even in scouting and development, as soon as they you get them under the wing, they are potential commodities that can be traded for other parts. Exactly. And they've been able to – they have not been afraid to use all these methods to try to get better. It just took a while. So um, let's talk offense, Roy. Um, I, was, I walked into the press box um, a week ago today, which is Friday, and as soon as I walked to the press box, I watched Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa hit back-to-back home runs. All right. The, the Twins proceeded to win every game under my watch until the last one on Tuesday when they lost. They blew a 6-1 lead at Boston when everybody just wanted to get the hell out of there and gone on a plane and get back to Minnesota. So um, Rocco Baldelli has talked about batting Buxton and Correa 1-2 in the batting order. I'm not so sure if Buxton should even be the leadoff hitter. I think I'd like to see him a little bit lower. Um, knowing fully well that Rocco's probably going to have over a hundred different batting orders this season. For that's sure. the way things are going that's this a, year. It's absolutely a given. Yep. So, but where, where do you think is the optimum lineup uh, with Buxton? Where, where would Buxton be optimum, the most optimal in the Twins batting order? Well, I'm going to jump right, way out on a limb here and say he's going to be one, two, or three. <laughs> okay, yeah. Right. Yes. You just, you want Byron Buxton to get the, the most at bats in a game uh, it, it possible every every day he he goes out there and that speaks loudly for leadoff. You know, uh, it, I'm it, I keep in a situation like this. I keep coming back to uh, Gene Mock uh, batting uh, Willie Mays leadoff in the '65 All Star game, and all the all the media came to him before they, he posted this in the lineup. They all come to him and said, "What in the world? You got you know one of the greatest hitter in the game, maybe, uh, and the biggest impact player, and you're getting him lead off. Why isn't he hitting third or fourth? 
And Gene says, well, you said it. He's the biggest impact player at, at number one. He's going to get the most at-bats and the most chance to be impact, impactful. And behind him, I've got Ernie Banks and Frank Robinson and uh, Ron Santo and Willie Stargell and Hank Aaron. And I mean, <laughs> do, does, does it matter who I bet third, fourth, and fifth? I mean, I got, I'm loaded here. I'm going to get uh, Willie up there, you know, where he can do the most damage. So that, you know, that's kind of the Buxton uh, theory, I think, is just get your most impactful guy right now. And we've seen uh, Ricky Henderson, uh, you know, uh, as the best example of impact. We saw Max Kepler when he was good uh, the, the one year hit leadoff and hit a boatload of first inning home runs and also turn around the lineup late in the game, come up and win games late in the game because he was the one up there. So having Buck at the number one spot is you can see why that's alluring to to a manager. I don't know about Correa number two. Uh, I, I think Buxton hits first or second. I kind of like him second. Uh, second is a big uh, combination RBI guy and on base percentage guy with Buck's ability to run. You know, he gets up there at second hole. He gets up there a lot of times. He can, he creates a lot, he can create a lot of impact from there. Um, it will just depend on whether they have, they, how the lineup develops in terms of how the hitters are performing. If there's anybody else that Rocco can put in number one and, and get the on base percentage and the lineup turnover RBI spot you know, that, that he wants. Uh, if he can, I think Buck hitting second is, is pretty good. Uh, and uh, Polanco hitting third. And now you've got Correa able to hit fourth or fifth because now we get to the other side of the analogy with Muck and his National League All-Star lineup in 65. The Twins have a nice lineup the rest of the way. It's not Frank Robinson and Ernie Banks and Willie Stargell. And, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not quite that. So... Before you decide to put, and Rocco's done this, but I say I'll be really interested to see how he feels about if he if he hits Buck um, and Correa one two, it, probably that means Polanco three. Now where does it? Who hits the fourth and who protects the fourth hitter at the fifth spot? And you know after that, pretty serviceable too. But I just think the I think the fourth and fifth spots are really really important here, and. Uh, Shoot, Buck could hit fourth, depending on whether whether last April was any indication of him being healthy and, and you know playing the whole year. So there's just obviously by all of this rambling that I'm doing, you're it's making your point and my point that Rocco's going to have 130 lineups, different lineups this year. Yes, um, I'm trying to look at some bat batteries he used in spring training. I see against the Orioles this Sunday. Yeah, Buxton, Polanco, and then Louis Arise batting third. Oh no, Correa third. Arias was the DH that day, and he batted cleanup. And Sano was fifth, and Kepler was sixth. See, I'm looking at the potential of Kepler being in a really nice, snug spot in this batting order. Because if, if Buxton does bat first, and it goes Buxton, Polanco, Correa, if, if Kepler could turn things around, he could end up in that four spot in front of Sano. I'm telling you, I... I... I said last week with uh, Jim when you were in spring training, and now I'm going to say it uh, to you, I think Max Kepler is the linchpin in this whole lineup. And that's a crazy thing to say when you think about all the other – when you think about, well, Buxton has to do well. Yeah, he does, but I think he will. Correa has to do well. Yeah, I think he's proven what he's going to do. Yeah. Polanco has to do well. We don't. If he stays healthy, there's no question there anymore. So all of a sudden now you've got a right-handed heavy lineup right now 
And you need for Polanco left-handed, Kirilov left-handed, and and Kepler especially to be really good as left-handed hitters. And and if Kepler's as good as he was the one year when he was so good in, in producing runs, he can hit anywhere in the lineup. He can hit anywhere from fourth fourth to sixth. I mean first to sixth. And at the same time, add really needed protection behind a right behind some of the good right-hand hitters uh, that the Twins are going to run up there. So I just think it's it, it, the lineup is going to be very good. If Kepler's really good, the lineup's going to be great, in my opinion. I think he's. I, I think you're right on. Uh, I, I think he's. For me, he's kind of the linchpin to this deal. As uh, Roy and I have fun playing with different batting orders and being um, a manager here. We'd like to remind everybody of our wonderful sponsors, including The Perfect Ash in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. The Perfect Ash has over 340 cigar brands. You can sit in the nice lounge with leather chairs and then sit with like-minded individuals while you're watching your favorite college team try to make the big dance. And for $10, you can enter the NCAA pool in which all proceeds go to help the local Shriners Foundation. That's The Perfect Ash located in Invergrove Heights. Also, don't forget about Memorial Blood Centers. Local Duncan locations generously donated vouchers to recognize community members who give back through blood and platelet donations with Memorial Blood Centers. The blood supply continues to be low, and Memorial Blood Centers encourages the community to make a donation. Your donation will help patients in need. I made a donation back in December. I was in and out within 40 minutes. It's the easiest thing to do. During the month of April... Duncan is offering all presenting donors a voucher for a medium Duncan coffee for giving blood. Plus, one lucky donor will win free coffee for a year. So don't miss out. Schedule your appointment online today at mbc.org slash donate or call 1-888-GIVE-BLOOD. That's 1-888-448-3253. And how can we possibly not have a show without the help of Corona. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think about how how I've ever done anything right without Corona too. I mean, yes. this is, Corona. <laughs> Corona's a pretty big partner of mine personally. <laughs> I was looking at the different batting orders here. Uh, you know, the thing about the the thing about uh, Corona too is is I really like it with limes. Yes. But I, I got to tell you, after six or seven limes, I'm allergic to limes or something, I think. Because after six or seven or eight limes, I don't feel, I don't feel as good. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not a beer drinker, but I used to, I loved Corona while I was in college. And I, I thought it was fascinating. They tried to put the lime in and hold the bottle upside down and, <laughs> and let the lime you know, flavor the entire beer. You know, it's just delicious, you know. It is. <laughs> it's a staple. Um, Getting back to the batting order, uh, you mentioned Kepler. Um, for some reason, you know, Kepler's coming off a season which he batted 211. It was just an awful season. I had a conversation with someone who said that uh, they had a, they talked with Kepler. And um, Kepler, after contracting COVID last year, lost five pounds, and Kepler never regained it, and he felt weak the rest of the season, which does not, you know, surprise me. Um, so if Kepler could come back strong and uh, – and he would be a major bounce-back candidate. He would actually be a comeback player of the year candidate. And in this lineup, it's going to be made for him to thrive. Um, and the encouraging thing for me was that in was it Monday or Tuesday, Monday's game, 
uh, Kepler hit an opposite field home run. It was old Kepler, and I'm like, that's the Kepler that the Twins need to see. You know, we you know we can't we can't bank on Trevor Bauer pitching anytime soon for Kepler <laughs> to pad his stats. So he's got to find some other pitchers he has to destroy. Well, really true, and it, it, you know your point's such a good one about about this lineup made for Kepler because there's so many good right-handed hitters. There's going to be a lot of right-handed pitching pitching against them. Uh, the managers, the matchups that the managers are going to have to, they're going to want to put in there. are going to be right-handed, primarily right-handed against this, uh, this one's lineup. And it's going to bring Max up in situations behind a right-handed hitter that either gets walked or doesn't get the job done, you know, pops up or strikes out or something. Now, now you got two outs and the, and the base is loaded or two outs and two guys on and it's, and it's going to fall to, you know, to Max. And, um, I, I, that's why I just think it's it's going to be so important uh, for him the the Trump to be to be as good as he can be and I I I understand the weak you know losing five pounds and and feeling weak he didn't have any body fat on him no. so you know losing five pounds is that's an issue for for a guy like Max I mean he's he's very very um, lean and muscular and and uh, and that's about that's about it so. If he loses five pounds, I can see him being weak. The other, but the other thing that it seems to me about Max is that he spent most of the year looking confused in the batter's box, and um, I, I'm hopeful that the that the the hitting coaches can get him get through to him to get a plan to go up on first ball pitch, second ball pitch, third ball pitch, <laughs> and then a different plan for two strikes. And I I just saw him so many. I've seen him so many times. Go up, get stand in the box, take a fastball, you know, knee to thigh high down the middle for strike one. I'm like, Max, that's your wheelhouse. What are you, what, what are you doing? Or I've seen him go up there and swing at the first pitch, swing at a curveball first pitch, and it, it it just breaking the cardinal rule of Ted Williams, who said, "Look, I the first rule is to get a good pitch to hit. The second rule is if it's not the pitch you're looking for, take it." Until right. you get to two strikes, don't swing at something that you're not you're not looking for. And it just looks so many times like Max gave away so many at bats because he either wasn't ready for fastball, or he was he swung at a curveball that he wasn't really looking for. He's out in front, make it make get him, you know make a quick out. And I, I think it's a, as much approach for him as, as it is uh, as it is weakness. I mean, I think he's going to come back strong here physically this year, and I just hope he has a real strong aggressive. Uh, approach at the plate on fastballs. He's been surprisingly not as good against right-handed pitching as I would have expected. I would expect that Max would hit crush. You know, it would just crush right-handed pitching. Mm -hmm. And sometimes he does. And you sometimes you'll see guys he's won games on 98, 99 mile an hour fastballs where he's just turned it right around. You know, I, I I can think of a lot of examples of that. But day in day out, he's been a sub 250 hitter against right-handed pitching and. He just that's a head scratcher because he, he should wear him out. He's going to get his chance this year in this Twins lineup with all his right-hand hitters. He's going to get a chance to be devastating against right-hand pitching, and they need that. And all he has to do is get through this year because next year they will ban the shift, and <laughs> he will be able to pull ground balls to the right side of the field again for singles. Yeah, he's one of the guys, <laughs> one of the many guys that has uh, that has really, really suffered with the uh, three guys on one side of the infield and and the second baseman playing short right field. Uh, you know, but on the other hand, so encouraged. That's why it's so encouraging for you to, you know, talk about him hitting an opposite field home opposite field home run. I watched him in batting practice last year. One day, I went out 
to the ballpark early. He was taking early batting practice. He hit five, six, seven balls in the seats in left center. And I, I'm, I'm figuratively throwing up my hands in my, in my mind going, saying, what's wrong with this, Max? I mean, yeah. you can do it. You know, you, you don't have to, uh, right field's not the only field open for you, you know? And, mm-hmm. and when he's good, he's, he is, is really good spraying it around. He's got an incredible ability to backspin the ball and hit these, hit these two irons, you know, that just have incredible carry. And I, I just, I've always liked his swing so much and his a bit, you know, his potential just hasn't, put it all together yet and hopefully this is the year it's not for lack of work because saturday no. uh, i was down in fort myers and the twins were at port charlotte playing the race i stayed back to work on a story and so i'm in a press box and it's 11 o'clock it's 12 o'clock it's one o'clock and the minor leaguers come over and have live bp and then after the minor leaguers are done with live bp it's like 130 now now whatever kepler and polanco were doing in the clubhouse because they didn't go on the trip now they come out and then they take bp and then after facing live pitching for BP, they bring out the high-velocity pitching machine, and they're taking whips on. They were out there to 2.30. It's not for a lack of work. Those no. guys were out there. No, neither one of them. And, and that's the case with most of the, most of the Twins uh, hitters. I, I, you know, I've been impressed with their, their work ethic. But Max and Polanco, for sure, they, those guys work really hard. And I, I, I do think that, I think that Max has got um, – it, it, it's just an approach to just get, just get an approach that can make you aggressive. Every time you go up there to the plate, aggressive in a, in a, uh, in, in a strategic way, you know, in a controlled way and, and, and try to get confusion out of your mind. And, and I, I, I think that will serve him well. Uh, one last subject, um, listening to Miguel Sano, there's the man is sound more mature than he's ever had in his career. Uh, he's down 20 to 22 pounds from last year. It's Good. noticeable. And uh, I've wa- I watched him hit three home runs while I was down in spring training. Um, he only hit 223 last year. But I will say this, um, his strikeout rate of 34%, which is a pain that upsets fans, it was the lowest of his career last year. It's slowly coming down. He batted 291 on balls put in play. His batting average from balls put in play. Good sign-, sign here. So if he can continue to cut down on his strikeouts – if he touches the ball, good things happen. Uh, I ha- I have him on as a pick to click as a guy who could break out, hit forty home runs, and for ten million dollars a year, that's a bargain. I think for ten million dollars in this day and age, for for what he uh, what he brought last year and and what he's potentially going to bring this year, I, I think it's 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 okay. Um, and I, you know, I'll go along with bargain. I mean, that's just it's 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 kind of a funny term, you know, for ten million bucks. But it's, but here's the thing about Sano. I've always been frustrated with him, as people that listen to this show know, um, because I, I I look at the talent and the strength that he has, and not everybody, not everybody has that. We're making noise here in the studio. Not not everybody has. It, it, let me back up. Hardly anybody has that kind of talent. You know who had that kind of talent? Puck had that had the strength and um, and the talent. Uh, Miguel Cabrera has the strength and the talent. And Dick Allen. <laughs> Dick Allen was he, he might have been a class by himself in terms of strength and talent. But yeah. but my point is that I've always been frustrated with Sano because. He he just has refused either either 
explicitly uh, refused mentally to to do anything other than try to pull the ball, or he just he's just not able to do it. You know, I mean, he's just got one swing and 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 one gear, and that's the way it, it, it has to be. And I could just look at what's possible with him if he if he hit the ball all over the ballpark and and stopped worried about getting beat on an inside fastball. But may, but but I've kind of adjusted my thinking now. I say, look, the guy is who he is. He, to your point, when he puts the ball in play, it's, good things happen. And when he puts the ball in play, a lot of really long things happen. And I looked at him be, where he could be a fourth hitter. I don't think he can be a fourth hitter if he if he comes along uh, as a as good against left-handers as he should be. Then he could hit clean up against uh, left-handed pitching. But I, I don't think he's going to be consistent enough. They're going to want to put him fourth, which is a, which is a shame to me, because he could. But as a sixth guy or a seventh guy in the lineup, it, that you're right might hit 40 home runs. Then, holy cow, 10 million dollars would be a bargain. Absolutely, absolutely. So, well, I think that's it for this week, Roy. Um, baseball's here. Oh, the God, long-awaited so regular you know, season has you, arrived. This is probably my favorite weekend of the year. I mean, I, I will be, this will be my, my physical, <laughs> my physical repose attitude right here, leaning back with my feet up, watching, clicking the biggest energy consumption that I will have will be clicking between the masters and watching baseball all weekend long. And I'm just really excited about this. Yeah. Tiger's even drawn away some a little bit from opening day. Just the fact that he was able to compete in the Masters is unbelievably startling. It's I have to go home to make sure I still have my baseball package uh, ordered for this year so I can <laughs> click away as well and watch all the games at once. Um, this is a happy new year for me, and happy new year to all you folks. As the baseball season started, the Twins have added like nine players since the end of the lockout. They have a brand-new rotation. The, the rotation's all wiped out from last year. <laughs> they have offense that can pull up numbers. It's going to be interesting. Um even if you think they're a little bit short in pitching, they may have the offense to out hit it on a couple of days. So it's going to be fun. So thanks a lot for listening. Maybe next week it'll be um, Lavelle and Jim and Roy instead of Lavelle or and Roy or Jim or maybe not Jim or maybe not Lavelle. <laughs> maybe all of us would be here together as we uh, bring to you Chin Music on Talk North. <laughs>